appreciate the opportunity to be here with you all this morning, my wife and I. And um, Philip, uh, Pastor Philip, wanted to be out of town and he had a bad cold. I didn't hear so much about it because it was on the Internet, so it didn't sound like he had a bad cold. But he did. <clears throat> um, I want to um, ask a favor of you here. Uh, my wife and I were here back seven years ago for um, nine months as interim pastor, and then uh, Pastor Philip was called. Uh, those of you who were part of the congregation back there, would you please stand? Who, who was around when I was around for a while? Okay. Uh, you older folks haven't changed much. Still as old as you were. And the young people, it's glad to see that you're... Uh, you are growing up, and that's great. Now, those of you who weren't here when I was here, would you give these people a round of applause? Because, all right, thank you, maybe, Steve, because if they hadn't stuck with it, you wouldn't have had a place to go today. Okay, now those of you who are, were not around, and you came sometime in the last seven years or so, would you please stand? You're just visiting today or whatever or something like that. And now that's what you saw. Double the, well, half, to, half again the size. So those of you who were here for all those early years, give these people a big round of applause. Great. You may be seated. Great. And how many of you students are from Lee? So are you the Lee students over here? Hey, great. Keep it up. Uh, we're a part of another college called, um, it's up on the mountain. Um, Covenant College, yes, uh, but glad to see that you Lee students are here. Um, does everyone have a copy of the sermon outline in the scriptures? Raise your hand if you don't have a copy. You handed out the bullets and did a good job. Uh, before I read the scripture, I want to just give a, a brief word of testimony. Uh, first of all, we've appreciated being able to keep in touch with you all up here through emails and seeing some of you from time to time and so on. So uh commend you all for staying by the stuff, as it were, and growing in faith and growing to reach out to others as well. Uh, personal testimony for those who haven't met before. Uh, I was born and reared back in Iowa more than 80 years ago. And on a farm, and I spent my first seven grades in a one-room country schoolhouse, and uh, eight grades in one classroom, one teacher, about 25 students, and that's why I never got a very good education. But the Lord helped me overcome after that as well. We moved to town, and uh, we went to a Presbyterian church, USA, but then... Our youth director took us over to the Methodist church where they were having a revival. I didn't know what a revival was at 15. I just heard that they had good music, and so I went. And um, that night, I heard some bad news. The bad news I heard was I was a helpless, hopeless lost sinner at the age of 15. Hadn't done anything really wrong, but just... Realized that in God's sight, I was lost. And then I heard the good news that Christ came to the world to go to the cross 
to suffer my hell on the cross. And uh, the Holy Spirit of God prompted me to confess my sin and trust Christ as my Savior, which was a glorious day. Went on to Iowa State University, majored in forestry, and got a commission in the Army. Uh, and in the Army, I came under the ministry of a chaplain who believed the Bible, preached it, and lived it. The name of Chaplain McGregor, which prompted me to commit my life to Christ for the ministry. And thereby, I went to Covenant Seminary in St. Louis in 1957. And there was a young lady living in Iowa whose uh, parents, and she knew this chaplain quite well, so this chaplain said, when you get back to Iowa, look up the Bells family. They have a daughter in might be interested in, so I married her <laughs> 55 years ago. And... Uh, <clears throat> So my primary ministry has been starting new churches and starting Christian schools. And that has been a tremendous privilege and opportunity to do that. And since leaving here, I had an interim pastorate in Fort Oglethorpe, First Presbyterian down there. And then a couple of years ago, we were invited to go to Lundstall, Germany, uh, as an interim pastor at the Trinity Reformed Church there, ministry primarily to military families. My wife and I live on Lookout Mountain and um, have opportunities in pastor care for the presbytery. So I meet up at this church twice a year, or three times, no, four times a year, for pastor care committees. But none of you are around except your pastor. So uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to uh, bring God's word. So if you will take out the sermon outline, please. This is a reading of the scripture, but I want you to help me in reading of it. And uh, I'm sorry I'm not doing every other verse, but I want you to join me in the bold parts. But before you read it, you may have noticed that the theme or outline of this passage of Scripture is we don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. Now, there are three reasons why the Apostle Paul said we as Christians, born-again Christians, Three reasons why we don't lose heart. The first one is, is because God's word, his infallible word, will have its desired effect in changing and converting people to Christ. That's the first reason why we don't lose heart, even though a lot of people around about us don't want to hear the word of God that we might testify and give to them. The second reason we do not lose heart is because even though we may be greatly stressed out, God is the one who gives us power, the power within and through us to live the Christian life. So we don't lose heart because God's power is at work in us. The third reason we don't lose heart is because what we see in this earth is temporal and we live as Christians with eternity in view. So this world is not the end or it's not the desired place right now. It's For some of us, it's quite a wonderful place to live and others many trials and tribulations. So there are three reasons why we don't lose heart. I'd like to have you uh, read, follow along with me, and then when it comes to the bold parts, if you will uh, read that with me. This is the word of the Lord. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. 
Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every one man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age, that is Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that his all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is work in you. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit. So that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, for what is unseen is eternal. Flowers fade, and grass withers, and even flesh is as dust. But the Word of God abides eternally. Keep your uh, outlines there before you, and I'd like to have, you have your Bibles open as well to Second Corinthians <clears throat> and perhaps <clears throat> if in your own Bibles in Second Corinthians that you would be pleased to maybe put this outline in there, this piece of paper here before you, I know what's going to happen afterwards. You're going to take it and lay it aside or something like that. By the way, if you find this passage of Scripture helpful to you, and if you want an opportunity to share God's Word to somebody else, Hand on this little piece of paper and say, uh, <clears throat> I was at church last Sunday and this guy from Lookout Mountain came preaching and he delivered something. I said, this is something you might want to, I'd like to have you get your feedback from this. 
You don't have to go and say, you need this. That'd be might offensive. But you say, you know, here's something that you might find helpful. I thought it was interesting. So, uh, just keep in mind because <clears throat> one of the important things, as was taught in Sunday school by Austin, as Christians, we have a responsibility to share the gospel with others. And that's not an easy thing to do, but it is required of God. And once you do it, <clears throat> The more you do it, you'll find it to be a blessing. And the other thing you'll probably find, too, is if you have a little confrontation that goes along with sharing the gospel, it really makes it interesting. Now, you don't have to try to pick a fight, but, uh, you know, if you get confronted a little bit about sharing the gospel, that ought to cause you to think, you know, it is real, isn't it? They can't stand the truth. And so look for opportunities to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, with the outline that is in front of us this morning, these three reasons why we should not lose heart in living out the Christian life, in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with others, and seeking to live for Him day by day. Now, <clears throat> the context of this passage here, you notice it says about knowing the Lord's strength, it says we are pressed we're hard-pressed on every side, persecuted, all the rest of it. Now, I realize that that doesn't, we don't, most of us don't fit that. Now, if you were living in Iran, if you were living in Sudan, if you were living in Red China, if you were living in the northeast of this country, or the northwest, rather than the Bible Belt, you might... Find out what, you know, this really does happen to believers in Jesus Christ. It is a tough world out there. And remember, our, the Apostle Paul said, All who will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That doesn't mean you go looking for it. But if you live a godly life, and especially if you seek to share the gospel of Christ with others, you may and probably will suffer persecution. So, in our situations right now, many of us have all kinds of reasons to lose heart. Maybe not for these extreme things of being persecuted, but, <clears throat> you know, your life is not what you'd like for it to be. You know, you have your physical weaknesses, you have your spiritual weaknesses, you have your problems at your place of work or you can't find work. You college students are trying to Keep your grades up there for straight A's like most of you do. And you're looking forward to sometime finding what place God has in store for you for a future ministry. Let me just mention on that. <clears throat> in college, I thought I was going to... Well, before I went to college, I thought I was going to be a farmer. Then in, in college, I thought I was going to be a forestry man. Then I realized I was going to be an army officer, and I thought about staying in the military. But God changed my life by calling me into the ministry. And so, uh, you've got those struggles before. You said, uh, I don't want to lose heart in trying to find out what God wants me to do. And then, the various difficulties that you go through, you're going to need the Lord's strength. You're going to need His help so that you don't lose heart. And uh, 
when you have a sickness or you know a family or something that has a sickness and you know death may be coming your way, it will be sooner or later anyway, you say, what is life really all about? And then you hang on to the last portion of the Scripture that when you die as a Christian, they'll put your grave, put your body in a grave or your ashes in a little jar but your soul of the real you will go to heaven, so you don't have to lose heart in anything that's life. Now, let me just mention here at the beginning about who this is for. This is for those who are truly putting their faith and trust in Christ as their Savior and Lord. I don't know if I mentioned before when I was here, but uh, it's very important to make sure that you're not a vaccinated Christian only. In other words, you got vaccinated as a child or growing up to her. You got vaccinated with just enough Christianity so that you don't live a wicked life. But you also may have gotten vaccinated with just enough Christianity so that you're never born again. Now, you children who are born and reared and brought up in Christian homes, that is a wonderful place to be. But be careful that you didn't say, I'm not really committed 100% to this Christian faith, but I do appreciate being vaccinated with Christianity so I don't live a wicked life so some of my other friends out there do. But make sure that you're vaccinated and not with just not enough so that you don't really faith, put your faith and trust in Christ. So let me say to all of us here this morning, whatever age, Make sure in the presence of God that you have been, you realize that you were helpless and hopeless and lost in your sin and that you deserve the wrath of God in hell, but that God loved you so much that he went to the cross in the person of Jesus Christ so that today or any day that you say, I realize I'm a sinner and I repent and I trust Jesus as my Savior and Lord. Seriously, and you talk to people around about, we had a ministry for two couple of years in England before we came here. And the English, um, well, Christianity is pretty much out of the window over there. But those who are connected with the Church of England and such, you know, they got baptized when they're infants and they got married in a church and will get buried in a church. And they're pretty much what you call vaccinated Christians. It means nothing to them. And when the Muslims are taking over much of Birmingham, the leaders said, you know, we have to give in to what the Muslims do because they take their religion seriously. Whereas the Anglicans and other professing, you know, cultural Christians, you know, it's just a cultural thing. We don't really take it seriously. So in regard to that, now, I want you to see from this passage of Scripture, by the way, there's another danger that once you become a Christian, there's another danger, and that is you might become a stealth Christian. The Russian, excuse me, the Chinese have a new stealth fighter plane just off the assembly line. And our country's had stealth fighter planes and stealth bombers. You know what those are? You kids know this, don't you? It's an airplane designed to not be detected by radar. So it's a stealth airplane. 
And some of us Christians who've been Christians for a number of years have learned to be stealth Christians. Yes, if somebody asked me if I were a born-again Christian, I'd say yes, but I'm not going to really let it be known. I'm not going to really talk to somebody else because they'll... And if you're somewhat of a stealth Christian, repent of that sin and ask the Lord to give you the grace and wisdom that's needed to live out your faith, but speak out your faith. Now, when the Apostle Paul begins this passage, in verse 1 he says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry... What ministry? Well, he was an apostle. But you and I as Christians, we have a ministry. We have a ministry to be quite live, to live the Christian life. We have a ministry to be, do good works, as God says in his word. We have a ministry to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. So in this ministry, we do not lose heart. Now, the issue here is with that, with how to present the word of God. Notice what he says in verse 2 now. Rather, we have announced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. You see, sometimes it's easy to present the Christian message if you do it in a soft-pedaled way, you know. It says, you know, God wants you to be nice, and so he says, well, that's not Christianity. But you see, you don't have to hide God's truth. You don't have to belittle it, or you don't have to give half-truths and something like that. But give it out, and then the next verse says... On the contrary, we set forth the truth plainly. Straightforward. God is holy. We as human beings are sinful. We deserve God's wrath. But God came to the world in the person of Jesus Christ to go to the cross to suffer for our sins. So he says, speak the truth plainly. And so that you live out the Christian life so that you're not a hypocrite. I guess you know what a hypocrite is. Somebody pretends to be something that he's not. I probably mentioned here before, but uh, back down in South Carolina years ago, one of the elders of the church always put flowers in the church, and he always put live flowers in, two big bouquets up the front. People used to come to him and say, Uncle Sam, why don't you put artificial flowers in? He'd say, no. I mean, they would say, you know, they're cheaper, and they're just as pretty, and you can just put... Some back in the closet and then bring them out, something like that. You know what Uncle Sam's response was about putting artificial flowers in the church? He said there are enough hypocrites in the church without, it budding, without putting hypocrite flowers in. Oh, you don't have... Oh. Uh, those are just ferns. So, quit being a hypocrite. (laughs) Now, did you notice what he says in verse 3? Look at that. It's a sad truth. Horrible truth. If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Verse 4, even worse. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ, who is the image of God. If you're not here this morning, 
as a believer in Jesus Christ, it's not because you're smart. It's not because you got something better. It's not because you haven't, whatever it might be. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, the Scripture says, Satan has blinded your heart and mind so that you can't believe it. And I want you to keep this in mind when you talk to some people about the faith in Christ. Oh, you Christians believe all that dumb stuff. You can say, you have to be careful about this, but you say, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says those who don't believe the gospel, Satan has blinded them so they can't believe the gospel. So it's not because you're so intelligent, so smart, and so above everybody else that you don't believe it. It's because Satan has blinded your heart. Now, that's a pretty sad condition. Now, keep in mind, when you and I share the gospel of Jesus Christ, what's the hope? You know what the next part says? Verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So it takes the power of God to convert a person. So the issue when you and I share the gospel to somebody else, it's not whether they have the faith to believe. They don't have it. But when you share the gospel, Christ says, God, would you be merciful and open their hearts and minds to the truth? That's the real prayer. And the amazing thing is God will do that. So it's not up to you to save somebody. It's up to you and me to be the ones to give the witness. Now, did you catch that of how much power it takes? We just read Genesis 1 this morning. We have three sections in the Scripture, so we're back to Genesis 1 this morning. And God said in the beginning of creation, what? When the world was dark, He said, let there be light. How much power did that take? I'd say mega, 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 mega kilowatts of power before the sun and moon were converted, installed. How much power does it take to convert a person? The same kind of power. That's why Christianity is a supernatural religion. It's not of your wit against somebody else's wit. Or your ability to talk and somebody else's ability not to talk. Just remember, you were converted by the power of God. You may not have had an Apostle Paul experience, but if you weren't converted, you need to be converted. And you can ask him convert you, convert you and make sure, according to his scripture, that you are really one of his children. So, the Word of God is powerful because God sees fit to use it as he pleases. Therefore, you don't have to lose heart as a Christian. Secondly, now look at what verse 7 says. I imagine if most of us were to write this verse, we wouldn't write this. But the verse says, but we have this treasure. What is the treasure? The message of salvation. That's the treasure. We have that in jars of clay. Who is the jar of clay? You and me. We're like a bunch of dirt. Clay. We're just living right now. As soon as you die, you'll be a dyed up hunk of clay or dust or ash, whatever it might be. I agree. Now, you know what most of us think? I am a jar of 
China. I am a crystal vase. Well, I'm a jar of gold. I'm precious. Or some of you guys out there say, I'm a hunk of steel. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> you and I are jars of clay. And the only thing that makes a jar worthwhile is what's inside it. And what's inside us is the gospel of Christ. That's why you and I have something to offer to people, even if they don't want it. The reason they don't want it is because Satan blinds their hearts and minds. But you still have to share the Word of God with them. Don't be like a bull in a china shop to do it. Ask God for wisdom to do it. And He'll give you the wisdom to do it. Now, what Paul was saying here in jars of clay, why, are, why what does he picture us as jars of clay? Because you know what our sinful nature would do? You know, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm well-educated and somewhat handsome and somewhat liked. And, you know, I, I, I can sway people. You know, just look at some of our politicians or some of the movie stars, wherever else they might be. They think they're, they think they're very, and they are because the people of the world are flocking after them. But we have jars of clay to let it be known that you and I are virtually helpless. That's why we need the power of God to work in us and through us. See? And you ought to start every day as a Christian and say, Lord, I am but a jar of clay and I want your power to work in it through me. Now, what helps you to do that are the means of grace. Scripture reading ought to be a part of your life every day. Prayer ought to be a part of your life throughout the day. Fellowship with other Christians when possible. The sacraments and such. God has given us all those things so that you will experience His power and His blessing. Now, I have not quit using Ephesians 3.20.21 for those of you who have been around for a while. And that says, God is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine according to His power that's at work within you for His glory. So, don't lose heart because... You're weak and just a jar of clay. But rejoice because His power is working in and through you. Now, I won't go, I want you to look at your, look at your outline sheet for just a minute there to see what you find under the human weakness as well as overcoming power of God. Human weakness, hard pressed, but kept from being crushed or hurt. Perplexed by uncertainty of life. Kept from despair. Persecuted for speaking for Christ. Still loved by God the Father. Struck down verbally or physically. Kept from being destroyed. Always subject to death. Kept alive for God's purposes. Given over to death for Jesus. But used to bring spiritual life to others. Death ultimately comes. Fine. Heaven and the resurrection are there to follow. So you see, whatever situation you're in, God's strength and God's grace is the one who will enable you to go through that. So you don't have to lose heart. 
Now the third point. Look down to verse 16. Well, actually, verse 13 too. 13 and 14. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. If you believe the truth, speak it. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us up with Jesus. So there's going to be a resurrection. And he's going to present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people, notice sharing the gospel, may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Verse 16. Therefore, by the way, you've heard it before, but every time you see the word therefore, find out what it's there for. Got it? Because there's going to be a resurrection, therefore, we do not lose heart. Now, look at this. Therefore, outwardly, we're perishing, except for you young guys and gals that are still. God has given me pretty good at health at ice, but I'm, I'm not quite as... Anyway, don't worry about that. Outwardly, we are wasting away. But inwardly, we are being... Renewed, how? In the Scripture, prayer, the work of the Spirit in our lives, we're renewed day by day. Now, that's, that's what you call the Christian life, see? Instead of that humdrum, you've got to dream it up yourself or something like that. We're renewed day after day. Verse 17. For our light and momentary troubles. Now, you and I... In our wonderful situation here in Cleveland or Tennessee or in America, you know what our light and momentary troubles are? I had a bad headache this morning. Oh, I had a migraine. I lost my job. That's just pretty bad. Can't find work. That's pretty bad. But you know what the light and momentary troubles they were talking about? You read the life of Paul. Man, they were trying to kill him every time he did anything. Jesus, they were trying to kill him. And he would step out of their midst until the time came. And he says, my hour has come. I will let them arrest me. And I will let them put me on the cross. And I will let them do this so I can save people like us. See? But these momentary and light afflictions. However, I know some of you got it pretty tough. I'm not downplaying that. But I tell you, if you really want some momentary light of troubles, ask God for more grace to live out the Christian life. In this day and age about same-sex marriage, etc., you speak the truth, what the Bible says, and you'll be in real deep trouble quickly. You speak the truth about abortion as taking the life of a, of a human being, Maybe it's not so much here, but you'll be in quick trouble. You teach the Word of God around about you, and I'll tell you something. You will find out what it's like. I imagine the day may come, even at my age yet, when it's been reported that this guy, Al Lutz, was in this church, and he talked about <clears throat> that homosexuality is a sin. It can be repented of, and people can then convert it and overcome it. 
they will say, that guy, get him. In some places I would do this out in public, they would get me. Now that's not the... Those are, those are in a sense, peripheral issues. The real issue is salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 18, we wrap up here. So, what do we do? We fix our eyes on this world and how wonderful it is. No. We fix our eyes on our problems. No. We fix our eyes on whatever else, but the Scripture says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen. How do you, how do you, that doesn't mean you run around with your eyes closed. No, that means in comparison. In realizing what's going on here day by day is, is, yeah, it's very important. It's very important because you live every moment, every day to please Christ, see? You fix your eyes not on what is unseen. That's not your goal. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Oh. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And that's why the scripture is so important because it reveals to us who the true and living God is. It revealed to us that death is not the end. How many friends do you know or people around about you think that when they die, they're going to die and that's it? Can you imagine what uh, Steve Jobs and, uh, you know, some of those, who knows what's in their heart, but what they say, you know, is, and how many people around about you said, you know, when I die, I'm going to just die like a dog. And they live like a dog. And you and I would live like that too unless the grace of God has entered our hearts. So while we're living in this life, if you live with eternity in view, you won't lose heart. If you live with eternity in view, you won't lose heart. I'm going to ask you to commit yourself, as what's noted on the bottom of that outline sheet, if you look at that, please. Commitment where you as a Christian commit yourself to live daily with heaven in view and pray and look for ways to tell other people about salvation in Jesus Christ. That according to God's word, you will seek to realize his word is effective, that his powers at work within you and God's eternal plan is ultimate. Will you do that this morning? For His glory and for your good and for the good of others. Let us pray. Almighty God and Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of our Lord Jesus, aided by your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your word, for the truth of it, and how it stands the test of time, and how when you, by your Spirit, apply it to our lives, you cause us to see our sin, you regenerate us by your Holy Spirit, and give us faith to embrace Christ as Savior and Lord. And Lord, if there's anyone here this morning who has never yet repented of sin and trusted Christ as Savior, right now 
ask, give them grace to call out to you to save them. Will you do that? If you've never been saved before, ask God to save you because of what Christ did for you on the cross. Will you do that right now? And he'll save you. And then, Lord, we also pray that you will give us grace to live out the Christian life because your power is in and through us. And, Lord, we pray that you will give us grace to live with eternity in view while we're living this temporal life now. We need your strength. We need your help. We need your word. We need your Holy Spirit in order to do that. Hear our prayers by way of this commitment of our individual lives. And even as parents would pray the same thing for our children, but yet realizing our children need to make that proper personal decision themselves. Hear our prayers for your glory, for our good and the good of others. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.